Hi, everyone, and welcome to Positively Joy, a podcast on searching for the light all around us in all seasons of life. We look for God in the everyday and choose joy even in the hard times. I'm your host, Yvette Walker. I'd love for you to become a part of our online podcast family and join our Positively Joy community on Facebook. Visit PositivelyJoy.com for previous episodes and to check out our cool merch. And listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you go for podcasts. We drop episodes Monday and Thursday. Today we're doing something different. It's a mic swap. I am swapping the mic with Jenna Erlinson of the Bridge of the Faithful podcast. She's got an amazing podcast and I thought I would share it with you today. She's talking about facing the Red Sea. I think you'll really enjoy it. Here's Jenna. This is the Bridge of the Faithful podcast featuring your host, Jenna Erlinson. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 17 of the Bridge of the Faithful podcast. I'm Jenna, and we are all traveling this faith bridge together. These episodes are just my documentation of the things that God is showing me as I search to understand what faithfulness really means. You can find this and all other podcasts at botfpodcast.com. You can also connect with me at facebook.com slash botfpodcasts. So this episode was actually supposed to happen before the last one. I write my podcasts in a book and then I read off of it because I just can't do things off the fly like I'm trying to do right now. Um, And then I lost them, each of them separately. The first one that I recorded, I lost way before I finished this one. And then I finished this one and lost it. So I think out of all of it was like divine intervention. It's supposed to be in this order. So you'll hear some things that I've already said last time. Um, But I think this one is a good one to focus on as we get closer to Easter You'll hear it and you'll wonder, what does this have anything to do with Easter? But really, it's a good reminder of God's power and his abilities to defeat and destroy our past and our sins. And in that sense, it's really a lot like Easter. So kind of seeing some of the things that God's done, the miracles that he's done in the past, to know just how strong he is and really what Easter is kind of about. So it's been good for me, at least as I start thinking about what does the cross mean, this is kind of a good reflection of that. So honest moment, I haven't tried to drop the ball. This whole thing is kind of like working out. If you get distracted by the craziness of life, and then weeks go by before you pick it back up again. And I actually had those episodes ready to go, and then they disappeared, and I spent weeks looking for it, actually months, and I think it was the sign to kind of start over. So I kind of went through and fixed some things and I'm being a little more off the book um, to make it more real, which means more vulnerability, which I hope you find more beneficial. When I first started to work on this episode, I was doing great. Things were going smoothly. Life was not too complicated. I felt good and wondered how I would even write this. And really, honestly, not too much has changed except for my attitude. I'm a recovering control freak and way off from being healed. Nothing big really happened, except for, you know, baby, but just subtle changes that compounded to heavy weight on my shoulders. Issues with children, loss of sleep, 
Josh was traveling, relationship conflicts, and add that to pregnancy and post-pregnancy hormones, I just kind of felt trapped. And while this was happening, the guilt was poured on because I was watching people go through much more traumatizing things. Loss of family members or close friends, watching their children go through multiple scary medical procedures, getting the news that their son had been in a terrible car accident. And actually, we're at a whole other end from when I wrote this. He's doing well. He's already in school. But we still have uh, to see what kind of the long-term road is going to look like. But that's been really going well which is awesome to see, Um, but loss of pregnancies. And I've been with multiple people as they found out that the chemo was no longer working and their cancer has progressed and many other painful and long trials. So already feeling kind of low as I watched people go through these horrible things, I began to truly wonder, is God really still faithful in these valleys? Like I said in the mini episode a few times ago, I don't think it's a bad thing to question God. I do think it's a bad thing when we only question God and don't actually look and or wait for an answer. I've been blessed through watching other people respond and waiting myself, though very impatiently, and come to the conclusion, God is indeed faithful in these and all situations, and I just need to get better at seeing it. I've told this before in the last episode, but it really fits this time. When I was a kid, my mom used to read a kid's Bible book to my brother and me every night. I remember getting so frustrated with the ridiculous Israelites as they whined, complained, and turned to handmade idols story after story. I just remember thinking, don't they remember how God took care of them just one page ago? How do they not trust him? First of all, my concept of time was obviously skewed. Some of these stories were somewhat close together, but obviously not page turns, more like weeks, months, years, and decades. But now as an adult, I really wish I could go back to that childlike faith where it's so obvious that God is going to take care of us because he's already done all of these other things. And that's the key that I'm finding. To be able to trust God in our future, we need to get a good look at what he's done in the past. Exodus 14 has a huge story in Israel's history, the parting of the Red Sea. And this is where the grumbling, complaining, and distrust really start shining. But for this is for this one especially, I actually understand. Here Moses had finally convinced Pharaoh to let my people go, calls all of the Israelites to flee in the middle of the night to basically run for their lives from the people who had enslaved them for hundreds of years. So here you're already mixing fear, intense physical activity, and fatigue. I don't know about you, but that usually makes me a little more grumpy and anxious than usual. So they're running away, and all of a sudden they are faced with a huge obstacle, the Red Sea. There's no quick way across for so many people, and no quick way around. And to top it off, they suddenly hear a noise, horses and chariots. The Egyptian army was on its way to force them back, so they were stuck, no way forward, and danger and slavery to go back. It probably only took one person to start it, and swiftly pandemonium ensues. Being fully honest here, I'm not sure where I would end up on the spectrum. I'd like to think I would have been trusting, and sometimes I can be, but I totally can see myself on the panic end just as easily. One of my great strategic gifts is being able to see a lot of different possibilities, and that is not good for decreasing anxiety. But remember what I said. We need to look at God's past faithfulness and actions to remember how he's got this in our future. At this point, the Israelites had the history of God's faithfulness to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to remember. All of the miracles and promises to hold on to. 
In addition to that, God had also just recently proved his power over and over to both the Egyptians as a warning and the Israelites as confidence. I'm sure you've heard of the 10 plagues. These were more of a let's show them what I can do kind of show. And yes, these plagues were meant to torment Egypt and convince Pharaoh to let Israelites go by punishment. But it was also so much more. Each of the plagues defied at least one specific powerful Egyptian god, which had two effects. It proved to the Egyptians that God was more powerful than their gods, so they need to watch out. And it also showed the Israelites that God was more powerful than the Egyptian gods, so no need to fear. Also, God took care of the Israelites during these, which showed everyone whom God truly favored. So fresh in their minds were these promises and evidence of God's power. Was God still being faithful now? Going full circle, I was reading a Bible story to my two boys, and this whole ordeal was the next story. It was already on my mind because I was thinking about all of this stuff already, and sometimes there's just something powerful about the way things are written for children to understand. Pieces of the story stood out more to me as it was written to define and explain God's power and faithfulness to people too young to take it for granted yet. Parenting is definitely reminding me how it's important to have a childlike faith, that's for sure. At the beginning of the storybook Bible version of the story, it described the pillar of cloud and fire that God used to direct the Israelites. For some reason, I had just not really thought too much about how that affected the specific part of the Israelites' journey to the promised land. Let's count it now. We have the miracles and promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We have the recent sign of power over the Egyptian gods throughout the ten plagues. And we now have a pillar of cloud and fire meant to make the path very clear on which way to go. So far, I'm thinking that the levels are pretty high on the god faithfulness meter. But then you add the conflict. Let's go back to the Israelites and think of their perspective now. Their action to get up and leave is a sign that they noticed the things and believed. So there's that. Have you had times in your life where you gave up some or all that you know because it was just so clear that that was what God was directing you to do? Maybe not a whole cloud pillar, but circumstances and proddings. It's a great feeling. But usually we end up at a hard place, our own Red Sea, if you will. Fixing what seems to be impossible challenges, trials, or tragedies is so good at shaking our faith and being to the core. As a fellow human, I understand how this was really hard for the Israelites. They followed a very clear path, in this case a huge pillar cloud. Let's stop and think about this cloud for a second. My boy's Jesus Storybook Bible, which I love by the way, described this cloud as being a guide, shade in the desert, and the pillar of fire that it turned to at night provided light and protection. When you're following something so tangible and visible, it's easy to feel safe and follow willingly. But here's the hard thing. When you do that, it is really hard to not feel betrayed and hurt when you feel like you've been led to a trap. They followed God faithfully. Every step was clear that it was the way that God was going to take them for rescue, only to be stopped and trapped between a huge body of water and angry, even vengeful Egyptian army. Now that, my friends, would be terrifying, and I'm pretty sure I would have second-guessed God's choices as well. And then comes Exodus 14, 13-14. But Moses told the people, Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. And here's the big promise. Exodus 14 says, The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Boom. Boom. Just stay calm. Am I the only one who struggles with that? 
I like action. I like having something to do. I do not like to sit back and just be calm. I'm sure it's a mixture of pride. I can do this fine just by myself. Thank you. And impatience. This is taking way longer than I want it to. And that mix of emotions and lack of trust usually ends in me getting in the way or worse, messing things up for myself. The good thing that this story proves is this. Even when we freak out at our situation, God is still faithful. He doesn't need our calm or our strength to get us through it. But it would be more glorifying to him, easier for him, and a little more pleasant for us if we don't fight him kicking and screaming when he's trying to do something big in our lives, even when it's scary. What happens next? God took over. Remember that cloud? It went from leader to protector. It moved to the back, turned into the fire, and shielded the Israelites from the Egyptians as he started to work on their way when there seems to be no way. And while we're waiting for our escape, God still protects even while he works. The next part is one I hadn't really thought about until recently, the actual parting of the Red Sea. I'm sure in this media-driven world that movie reenactments of this is why I have such a skewed picture in my head. But when I think of the parting of the Red Sea, I picture Moses lifting his staff and then the Red Sea just miraculously parting. And I'm not saying that God couldn't have done that because he totally could have if he had chosen to do it that way, but he didn't. God sent a huge east wind to blow a path right through the middle of the Red Sea. I couldn't wrap my head around it, so I did a little research and I found an article describing the study that looked at the science of it. And yes, I know that I've used a lot of history and science in these episodes, but as a science-minded person, I really find comfort in knowing that my experience in science has done a pretty great job of pointing me back to God. Pushing that rabbit trail aside, the parting of the Red Sea with an east wind could actually be possible, obviously. It would take about 63 mile per hour winds, which would have come from behind the Israelites and made a path with two walls on the sides. This answer to prayer and rescue from God is not exactly the peaceful miracle I always had in my head. Let's put it in perspective. The typical tornado is between 40 and 100 mile per hour winds. So imagine trying to trek a very strange road with tornado speed winds at your back. I feel like this is often how God answers our prayer in these big life changing moments with a little bit of turbulence and a big push forward. And usually when we go to the other side, we are amazed at God's handiwork, strategizing skills and just how plain cool it was. My friend has been giving daily updates on her son, who had that traumatic brain injury from the car accident a couple of months back. It's it's been a while now. Like I said, he's actually in school now, which is awesome. And at first it was a fight for his life. And now it's a fight to get him back to as normal as possible. On day 36, she posted a quote that I thought fit here well. You might not be able to see where you're headed, but I assure you the Lord can. And he's holding your hand. He's breathing life into every aspect of your present and future. He's shining his light even in the darkest corners of your mind. So hold tight to him. Hold tight to his love, knowing that he will never leave you or forsake you. And because of Jesus, you are His in his grip forever. No uncertainty, no broken dreams, and no fear of the future can keep you from him. He is with you always in all of this. Trust him, believe, and let him gracefully lead you when you need to be. By Morgan Harper Nichols. This is our starting point, the escape from Egypt. God loves his people. He works out our rescue. And his plan is always in motion, 
even when we don't understand. And then he does even more than we expect. Remember that Egyptian army? Or after all of the Israelites crossed safely, the army thought that they could also go across. But as soon as they all got on that road, God stopped the wind and the sea went right back on top of them. So not only did God provide escape, but through that escape, he also completely destroyed the danger that was pursuing them all through the same tempestuous rescue. And that's the part of my story I'm urging you, but especially myself to remember. A lot of times in my life, the things that God is rescuing me from has baggage pursuing me. In my life, that baggage is usually in the form of bad choices haunting me, like parenting choices, consequences from selfish actions, etc. Most of the time, I believe in the rescue, but I forget that not only did God provide liberation from the sin that enslaved me, but he destroyed it, and it cannot overcome me again. Does that mean it can't affect me? No, the memory and the ghost of the pain it caused or if I hold on to it without fully letting it go, can still affect me. But it has been fully 100% defeated by the cross, the greatest rescue of all time that claims us as gods. And that claim means that we belong to an all-powerful being that conquers all. And not only that, but that he loves us too much to leave us in that bondage. When we accept God as our Father, Jesus as our Savior, then any change that we had have no hold on us. But we need to remember that we are free and walk out of that jail cell. And sometimes it's something we need to do every single day. How does the Israelites' escape from Egypt apply to us today? It proves three main things. That God keeps his promises. His promise to leave the Israelites to the land he promised Abraham. That God is so much more powerful than anything else we could worship. Shown by his blatant attack on the Egyptian God's power. And that he cares about and protects us shown by the pillar of cloud and fire that he used to guide and guard. I don't know what you're going through right now, a physical trial, an emotional or relational trial. Things are good and you're just trying to prepare for your next affliction. But I know that I constantly need this reminder of God's willingness and ability to fight on my behalf and get me through even the scariest of times. One of my all-time verses comes at the end of this journey, as Joshua is about to lead the Israelites on their first few steps into that promised land, a promise from God. Remember, he always keeps his promises. Found in Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And another verse set that came at the end of me writing this just fits so perfectly that I had to add it at the end as well. Isaiah 43, one through four. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. This has been episode 17 of the Bridge of the Faithful podcast entitled Facing the Red Sea. 
Look for show notes. Go to botfpodcast.com slash episode slash 17. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash botfpodcast. You've been listening to Positively Joy. I'm your host, Yvette Walker, and thank you so much for spending some time with us. Come on over to our website, PositivelyJoy.com. You can listen to past episodes. You can download a free teachable called Five Ways to Choose Joy. See our merchandise, cool t-shirts with our new logo. We've got a lot going on at PositivelyJoy.com. So we hope to see you there. Farewell for now.